Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Simply Said is the place we come together to talk about the simple things we can do to live well, do good, and be happy. And we might just change the world along the way, or at least have fun trying. Are you ready? Let's go! Well, hello there today. Thanks for joining me here on the podcast. I'm Polly Campbell, and this is where we talk about practical ways, things that even I can do to live well, do good, and be happy. And today, I am just trying to get through the day. So it's a perfect timing that we're talking about self-compassion. You know, I think this comes up a lot when we have the intention or we begin thinking of something we want to create or improve on in the world. I get lots of chances to practice. And when I decided I was going to be talking about self-compassion here, I got a ton of chances to practice with my teenage daughter. I lost my marbles. I was so frustrated and Wound in circles and disappointed and surprised. And and to be honest, uh, nothing really scary happened. Nothing really terrible happened. Just normal kid mom stuff. But uh, I didn't handle it well. I did not handle it well at all. I don't think um, you should call your kid a doofus. May or may not have done that. In any event, uh, I didn't demonstrate a whole lot of good parenting. So I suppose my Mother of the Year award is out the window once again this year um we were both upset and uh it unwound itself over a few hours in the afternoon and and uh, at the end of it I just felt wiped out there was like this emotional avalanche of every terrible parenting thing I've ever done in my life and in 13 years that's that's quite a few I'll tell you that and um we had to work through that, you know, arguments and frustrations and relationship issues can leave a real residue. And we have to take responsibility for our actions and choices at home and at work and whatever we're doing in our life. But that can feel really awkward and really uncomfortable. And and this is exactly the kind of situation where we can really benefit from a good dose of self-compassion. It makes us a little softer with ourselves, a little gentler, but also makes us more productive in the world. It helps us to learn from our mistakes so we can grow through them instead of recreating the same scenarios over and over. In my parenting, in my writing, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my household management, in everything. There are lots of things I need to improve. And often I think we get caught up in our lives with that loop. I'm just not good enough. I've got to fix this. I've got to change this. I've got to do this better or differently. Somehow look different, act different. I'm stepping away from that. I don't think that's the way to elevate our lives. I don't think that's the way to live our best life. The reality is we're going to make a bunch of mistakes. And I'm more interested in what we do when we make the mistake. I'm more interested in how we build our resilience and how we grow through them and how we influence and support others and ourselves. And so this topic today, self-compassion, is a favorite of mine. And it it wasn't always. You know, probably like many of you, I, I grew up 
in a mode where we were taught to be hard on ourselves. That could be motivating, right? It's kind of like the old school coaching. You get in the face of your players and you scream and yell at them to motivate them to change their behavior, to become better players, to become better teammates. And many of us grew up with that mentality. If you don't get the grade, beat yourself up over that until you get better. Drive yourself, push yourself to get better and better. And often that meant saying really mean things, being very highly self-critical. Now science tells us that doesn't work. And we know that doesn't work, right? Have you ever tried to motivate anyone to do anything? Yelling and calling names and getting in people's faces and demeaning them and ordering them around and nagging, that generally (laughs) doesn't get things done. It usually doesn't get the result we want. Sometimes we can force people into doing it if we're in a position of power where a parent or a boss or a supervisor at work, but it really doesn't endear any kind of connection to you. And it really doesn't help people perform their best. So why do we do that to ourselves, right? We're bound to make mistakes. We have lots we can improve on. And I think that's exciting. I think that's part of being humor. I think that's part of being human. We can take in this information and adapt and be agile and be curious and learn new ways of, and different approaches. And I think that's enlivening and animating, but only if we treat ourselves kindly, right? Because nobody wants to be nagged to death. Nobody wants to be criticized or demeaned. So let's not do that to other people. And absolutely, let's not do it to ourselves. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about self-compassion. Self-compassion is really about treating yourself gently, treating yourself with a kindness, right? Not only is that a good way to alleviate some stress, particularly when we're in the middle of a trying moment, when we've been called on the carpet for a poor decision, or we've made a mistake at work, or like yesterday, I have to kind of apologize and, and get my act together in my parenting strategy, right? Self-compassion allows you to accept your humanity and grow from that and grow into that, into a better place rather than being stuck in the upside. How do you land with all this? Are you hard on yourself? Do you beat yourself up over every flaw or failing like that old school coach in hopes of motivating a better effort? Or are you kinder and more gently? And if you are, if you demonstrate that degree of self-compassion, Does it help move you forward? Kristen Neff, who I interviewed for my book, Imperfect Spirituality and How to Live an Awesome Life. She's a great psychologist researcher out of University of Houston. And she's known for her pioneering work around self-compassion. When I learned about her research, it changed my life. Because here's what she has shown in her research. When we are kinder to ourselves after we've made a mistake or failed or uh, blown it big time, We are more likely to improve and achieve our goals. We are healthier, we are less stressed, and we have stronger relationships. In other words, we're more likely to go forward and contribute to positive changes in our own lives and the lives of others, rather than sitting in our mess, right? I thought about this um, when my daughter and I were having uh, our loud discussion, as my mother would call it. In this case, it was very loud. 
And I was sitting there. I'm really getting caught up in this. I'm blaming myself for all the things I'd done wrong. I could have done so much better. And I kept going over and over this in my head. That made no progress at all. I, in fact, I think it's a special kind of ignorance and arrogance, really, to beat ourselves up over mistakes because then we're supposing that we're so much better than everyone else that we're not even allowed to make a mistake. I think that's arrogant. We know that's not true. Everyone makes mistakes. And that's the one big thing we have in common, right? It's our humanity. We're imperfect. And I'm very open to allowing others to make mistakes and and work through those and learn from those. So I needed to learn how to be open to that in myself. How could I expect myself to somehow be better than everyone else when I am like everyone else, right? I'm not going to get it right the first time every time. And, And my understanding of that took a lot of pressure off because when we were stuck in that place of upset where we're feeling embarrassed or upset over a mistake we made, that's really when the inner critic comes out and beats us over the head with that kind of self-criticism. And we know from the pioneering research from uh, Dr. Kristen Neff that that it doesn't work anyhow. That self-criticism does not get us anywhere. In fact, makes us full of baloney, right? This is ultimately what sold me on this new kinder, gentler practice of self-compassion. I'd like to say that I was a little more evolved and decided to be nicer to myself just because I'm growing up. But when I read the research that showed not only is it a happier, more positive, more comfortable way to live, but that when we let go of that self-criticism and replace it with self-compassion, we are more likely to accomplish our goals. We're more productive. We have better relationships. There's a big time payoff for being kinder to ourselves. And it isn't just the obvious one of happiness, although that's not a little thing. I'm here to tell you that the practice of self-compassion has made me calmer and more compassionate and more creative in the other areas of my life too. It helps me remember our shared humanity. I'm more likely to try new things, more creative or innovative approaches. Because now when I fail, which I do all the time. Now when I make a mistake, I don't suffer so much. I don't have to beat myself up or hide away or feel less than. Instead, I can learn from those things and try again. When you practice self-compassion, the price isn't so high for a flood, right? We can open up a bit. I mean, things are hard, right? Parenting, dang, it's hard. And, And kids, I mean, They just keep showing up, right? (laughs) I have made so many mistakes, but because I'm able to recognize that my intention is good and true, contrary to what she'll tell you, but my intentions are really good. I I adore her. I don't want to ruin her life. I don't want to be an obstacle to her greatest joys, as I've been told once again. But my goal is really to help her develop into a happy, highly successful, functioning person so that she can fund my retirement or at least live a happier life. But man, there are nights I go to sleep thinking, wow, geez Louise, did I mess that up? And uh, self-compassion allows me to let some of that go, to acknowledge the mistakes I made, to look at the areas I went wrong, take responsibility for those errors, and then 
work through them in a way that feels more supportive and more creative and more interesting. Instead of feeling bad and regretful and guilty, I can really step into a new place and, okay, what am I going to do differently next time? And that feels like such a positive, proactive way to live this life. Okay. Ness research has shown that when we treat ourselves with this kind of consideration, the same way we would treat a friend who has made a mistake, our heart rate goes down, our blood pressure drops, we gain some clarity and calm. And here's what I know now for me, it just feels better. Instead of sitting in that place of bad feeling, I can focus on my responsibility to the situation and then work on getting better. Instead of holding on to the anger or embarrassment, the hurt or hostility toward myself or others, I'm able to release it a little easier and focus on moving forward and growing from the experience. I think this could work for you too. In fact, I'm teaching it to my daughter because I don't want her to beat herself up either. We all make mistakes. And when we can make mistakes well, <laughs> when we can grow through them and learn from them and take responsibility for them, that's a happier, more satisfying way to live. And that's really where our innovation and our growth occurs. That's really where we can elevate our life. Self-compassion isn't about letting yourself off the hook. It's not about shirking responsibility. In fact, a major component is to acknowledge to yourself and others if needed your role in the problem, in the mistake, in the failure. And then it's about learning and forgiving. It's about grace so that next time around, you can do better. I like the idea of that. I like living like this. Rather than having that inner coach screaming in my face, a friend comes in and helps me through the difficult times. I'm not afraid of getting things wrong anymore or not making the grade because I'm going to cut myself a little slack, accept responsibility, and then move on. And that feels liberating, actually. That just feels like a much lighter way to be in the world. I think self-compassion can work for you too. And here's four things that I would tell you about this if you're interested in giving it a try. Here's how you do it. Next time you're facing an embarrassing or difficult or painful situation, next time you make a mistake or an error or you hurt somebody's feelings or something happens that feels not great at all, acknowledge a situation evaluate what happened and your role in it. Don't be a harsh critic. Just notice and observe the details of the circumstance. Then feel the emotion, upset, disappointment, embarrassment, stress, fear, whatever it is, recognize what you're feeling and how it shows up in your body. And then take responsibility for that behavior, either to yourself you know, if, if you're uh, looking to get healthy or lose weight and one afternoon instead of eating the salad you set aside for lunch, you sit down to a big piece of chocolate cake, it is not going to help you reach your goals if after you eat the cake, when the cake is already gone, you sit back and beat yourself up over that cake. Instead, say, ah, that's a setback. I feel really disappointed in myself. Made the decision to do that. And I need to help myself next time around so I don't make that choice again. So I'm not going to have cake in my house anymore, right? So the first step to self-compassion is acknowledge a situation. Step number two is feel the emotion. Step number three, take responsibility. 
and apologize if needed. This is a relationship saver. I did apologize to my daughter and I do often. If it's you and it's some behavior or action you chose that has hurt others, make amends. Fix what you can, apologize for the rest, and vow to do better. And that's the fourth step. Recognize what you can do next time to avoid making the same mistake. You know, this is really about recognizing your humanity. And when you do, call it out. I feel disappointed that I made that ridiculous mistake on the report. It's embarrassing that my colleagues saw it. Next time, I'm going to make sure I finish earlier so I can hand it off to a proofreader to look over before I submit it. But dang, I'm human and I'm bound to make mistakes. I don't love it, but I can live with it, right? That's what I did after our loud discussion yesterday. I looked at my role in this. I looked at the situation and what happened and the things that I contributed that I could have done better. I apologize. And then I made some mental notes to myself about how I'll deal with similar situations next time. I'm raising a teen, so it's possible these things will come back up. You know how it goes, right? And then... I took a deep breath and said, well, I've never been the mother of a 13-year-old. I'm doing my best. I make some big mistakes and I do some things great and I'm going to keep working on it. And then it was over, right? Kristen Neff talks about employing a mantra. And I really like this idea. Like, I don't love it, but I can live with it. Or I'm human. I'm bound to make mistakes. I can cope with this. Or it's okay. We'll get through it. Something to remind yourself of your connection to your own frailty and vulnerability and humanity so that you can be gentle with yourself. And that brings us to the Simply Start segment. Today, choose your own mantra to remind you to act with self-compassion. Choose a sentence that you can repeat instead of allowing your mind to be filled with the voice of that inner critic when you screw things up or when you're feeling awkward. Have a self-compassion mantra. Write it on a post-it, write it on a notepad, put it in your phone, keep it close, and use it to remind yourself in times of upset that you are full-on human for the world to see. And your humanity is not a liability. It's your superpower. It's your strength. It's your gift, right? Her humanness is the gift. We are lucky, and so are those who are in our lives. So it's a good thing. Uh, My mantra goes like this, learn from it, live well with it, and remember, all this helps you be all that you are, fully human and alive, okay? You can go shorter or, or longer, whatever works for you. My main core of this is learn from it, live well with it, and remember, you are fully human. And it, it reminds me that I'm part of all of this. Sometimes I also say, You've got this. So when I'm feeling really out of sorts, when I'm feeling like uh, I don't know how things are going to work out or I'm feeling nervous about outcomes, I'll just say, you've got this. Okay. So what is your mantra going to be? How will you move out of your own way? Instead of being the this critical coach yelling in your face, can you step back and be a kinder, gentler friend to yourself? It's worth a try because when you act with self-compassion, you'll be healthier, happier, a whole lot less stressed, and you'll get more done. You'll be free to try the things creatively that will lead to innovation and positive change in your life.
That brings us to the Simply Nifty segment. Check out Kristen Neff's website at www.self-compassion.org. There's lots of good stuff there, lots of exercises and assessment you can take to figure out where you are on the scale and lots of details about how to bring this in your life and, and really teach it to your kids. I think we need a kinder, gentler world. Learn to be kind to yourself and that kindness will carry over to the rest of the world. That's it for today. This is Polly Campbell on Simply Said. Thanks for hanging out with me and remember, go forward, be kinder with yourself. And I think that will help us all live well, do good, and be happy. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.